Welcome to Council in 20, casual weekly conversations with Ottawa City Councillors. Three questions, three councillors, 20 minutes. I'm your host, David Schellenberg. Today, again, three councillors from all over Ottawa. Councillor Teresa Cavanaugh from Bay Ward. Hello. Hello there. Alan Hubley from Canada South. Greetings. And Councillor Matt Lula from Orleans Ward. Always good to see you, David. Good to see you, Matt. Let's get right to it. Our topics today are OC Transpo, again, uh, Donald and St. Laurent, and snow clearing. Alan, OC Transpo... So what's new? A bunch of changes kicked in today. Uh, some more route improvements. Um, yep. Pretty well covering across the city. Um, there was some that was done just before Christmas as well that's not on that list. So uh, over the last few weeks, there's been a number of improvements done through um, the system. Uh, we're now so these, these like two types of improvements, one of them is just winter and then... LRT? Is it two sets of improvements or uh, one big one? Yeah, there's not any changes to LRT. It's, okay. it's pretty well a fixed schedule. What um, is changing is the bus schedules. We're adding in uh, more trips on uh, certain routes. I don't believe there's no new uh, routes. Out there, right? No, uh, we've no. got. Uh, what, what we did end up with is a, is a uh, adjustment to the schedule to to make it so it's more realistic, so that people, uh, when they see that the bus is coming at this time, that's the actual time that will be there. There had been some issues uh, with some scheduling uh, that uh, that Alan's really well aware of and, and took the lead on trying to get fixed. Um, we were finding that some of the timing between stops was unrealistic uh, and were causing unnecessary delays. These routes have been adjusted, and now I think that we I think we've got a better idea of when the bus is actually going to arrive. So quite a bit of changes uh, to those routes, and, and as as Alan mentioned, some augmentation to some of the routes that were experiencing some capacity uh, some capacity issues. So hopefully more dependability for everybody across the city is what yeah. we're going. For. We've certainly heard a lot from uh, residents about. Uh, concerns because uh, there's missing buses there's been uh, late buses and uh, it's an extra step this winter because they're no longer just going straight downtown like they did last winter they're stopping at Tunney's this is in my area and then getting on the train so, um, so they're already their journeys are a little bit longer and we want to make this as smooth as possible so when I hear about delays uh, we have to deal with them mm-hmm. so these changes are they the kind of stuff where you have to run the system for a month and build up stats over time and then make tweaks to it? Is that what that is? We're always, um, there's some things that could be changed on the fly, like, you know, individual routes. You can make some adjustments to it. The schedules only get updated a couple of times a year. Um, But uh, it's, it is something that we're all, it's, um, we're always monitoring. Like we're always watching what the feedback from counselors are and what the uh, ridership is telling us. And, uh, you know, if there's a, big problem and I'm, I'm trying to think of an example to give you one but i, I can't right now um if it's a big issue then we can step in and do something about it it's like new, new year's eve i guess is the, the classic well, you know what new year's eve uh, thanks for bringing that up because that, that's going to be my pet peeve for the end of last year because we had uh, uh, some uh, media reporting a four-hour delay, and uh, I I was there on New Year's Eve. We were working this out, figuring out what was going on and everything, so I was talking with staff and, and finding out what was happening. The longest delay was 20 to 30 minutes, depending on how far down the line you were going, mm-hmm. okay? The four hours, where that four hours uh, comment comes from is there was a train that was parked for four hours, but there's nobody on that train. Right. So that didn't cause a delay in anybody's schedule. So that shouldn't be 
You know, I know there's a group on Twitter that's calling that uh, uh, the longest delay ever in uh, the, the OC transport system, but it's not a delay, so how can you call it a delay? Right. Because the system has a way of, if a if train is stopped, other trains can go around. Push it out of the way. We have places, well, push it, uh, park it out of the way, I guess is a better term, because yeah. uh, they have... Uh, in most cases, backup power that you can move them off to the side. Hopefully, it's at a station because there's dual tracking through there that you can just park these trains until, the, like on the case of New Year's Eve, uh, there was crowds till like 9, 10 o'clock at night. Well, as soon as the crowds slowed down, then they went in there, got that train, and took it back to the uh, yards to be repaired. Right. So very little impact on riders themselves. Everybody got to where they were going, as far as uh, I've heard. And, of course, everybody got home. So it did what it was supposed to do uh, with with a good schedule. Like the, the residual delays were five to ten minutes. That was cleared up within an hour, hour and a half. I was actually on that train. <laughs> I actually used it. When it, it. stopped? No, no, not when it stopped, but I was just taking the LRT, and I wasn't affected, actually, because it was in the east, and uh, I was taking it in the west to go downtown. So uh, so I got on it and got off, and I was fine. But um, I did hear the announcement while I was on the train, and I thought, oh, no. <laughs> I felt bad in terms of, you know, I didn't want to hear about it. Um, I believe that these issues will will be worked through. Right. Everything to do with the LRT is it's a system. It's new. There's still glitches. We're still fixing them. I'm not worried about that. Actually, I'm focusing on the buses because that's far more complicated. And uh, I'm I'm convinced that that that's going to be the bigger issue to. Uh, you know, get working better. Well, yes, you mentioned Tunnies. So mm-hmm. is that moving smoother now? Well, I'm still hearing concerns. It, it's just the overall setup is harder. Um, when I used to wait for a bus down on... Um, on Albert Slater, you know, to, uh, you know, buses would go by and say, oh, maybe I'll take this one and then walk a little bit more. Can't do that as easily at, at Tunney's. So people have to wait at a certain spot and then take the bus that, that comes along. And you see the other bus, but to get on that one, you'd have to have been around the corner um, waiting on the other side. So uh, it reduces the choices you have. That's what I've discovered on my going home um, in my area. And, um, I'm always going to have to take a couple of buses because uh, of where I live. So it's not just one bus home. I have two buses to take home. So that's, you know, I don't live that terribly far away, but it's just the way it works right now. Tunnies and Blair seem to have kind of the same sort of issues. Both both of them are really mid-stations in the overall plan for LRT. Exactly. So right now they're operating for the next four years as as terminuses uh, when they're not designed to be a terminus. Um, and so that inherently is going to cause some of these issues. Right. Um, Blair so is the station's not, gonna, not big enough to be? Well, it's not designed to be the end of the line, right? right? So like something like Terry Fox in, in Canada and Trim Road, once stage two is completed, will, because of their size, be able to operate properly as a terminus. There's not going to be all these buses dropping you off in the middle of the train, right? Right. Especially if you're, well, from the suburbs anyway, right? So if you're like in Cumberland or if you're in Orleans, you'll take a bus to, to Trim, which is a far larger station. Those there's more capacity there for, for park and ride, for, for pedestrians and for bus traffic. And we've always said this since the very beginning that we need to be patient because stage one doesn't work without stage two. Um, so we're kind of in an interim period and mm-hmm. we're working through the difficulties. Um, OC Transpo has sat down with me, has sat down with my colleagues to look at some of the, um, some of the larger issues that we're facing when it comes to capacity 
uh, and reliability. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, I give them like a B plus in, in, in making these changes. Everybody wants to see change happen immediately and right now. Um, but they're working through these issues. And, and I think that uh, I think that we're getting there. Well, this is a whole other conversation because we're talking about what will happen with stage two. Mm-hmm. And I have big concerns about Moody because there's no park and ride. Um, it's not planned. Because again, and, it's not a terminus. Yeah. No, and, and, uh, yeah. So rides within the green belt. Exactly. Exactly. So we won't have that capacity there. Um, and uh, it's it's going to be tight. It's a very, very tight spot. So um, it, these things aren't going to be resolved till we go to Canada. I'd mm. love to go to Canada. Yes, I'd love it to go to Canada, but it's we're not going to happen for a we're while. We're working on that, Teresa. Yeah. We're working on that. <laughs> I'm right behind you. Uh, that's right. <laughs> I, t- I, tend to, I tend to think of stage two as the as the end for, for me. Because no. Like, stage two is where uh, I get my job. It's that only the beginning of the three. issues. That's right. So, Unfortunately. so let's give your listeners a little explanation as to why it's the end for him, but it's really just the beginning for Teresa and I. What they did was uh, the original thinking for LRT was we had to have something to provide capacity in the core. Okay. As uh, uh, Councillor Kavanaugh was mentioning, everybody on Albert and Slater knew there was no room to add any buses there when they were standing waiting. So that was the, the business case. So what they did is uh, they figured out phase one where it was going. When it came time to do phase two, they took equal measures from the east, most east point, which was Blair uh, for stage one, and uh, measured out to what is now Trim, right? Mm-hmm. And then they took the same measurement, the west end, and that brought them to, I think, Bayshore. Bayshore. And it was the feds that stepped in and got us extra money so we could go to Moody because of their moving the D&D people there. Right. Which is not your writing, I think. Or it your, absolutely your, your is, yeah. and uh, so, it's not quite complete because uh, uh, it's going to stop about 800 meters or so from, right. the, from the campus and the infrastructure for walking is terrible. Yeah, in fact, yeah. the original plan only took us to Place d'Orléans. Now we're yeah. going yeah. to trim with the, yeah. with the additional yes. investments. Yeah. I think it was $186 million to, to get yeah. it out to trim, I yeah. believe. That's the number in my head anyway on it. Um, but uh, So that gives you an explanation as to why it's ending at certain points. So phase three, as, as my colleagues mentioned, is supposed to take us from Moody out to Terry Fox, which is right across the street from Canadian Tire Place. And uh, this time, because we're all done going to the east, if we went any further, we'd be outside the city boundaries right. at uh, Rockland or, or somewhere out there. And uh, so now we're going to go south. Okay. So that's why you you have Barhaven being added into the mix, and there's uh, an EA and everything going on for Barhaven. Yeah. Um, speaking of things I've read on Twitter about the LRT, was there a thing where the... I'll tell you another topic you want to talk about, Dave. Look what's there going is, on here. But, but just briefly, it was one I read where one of the trains stopped between the stations and people actually had to get off and walk along the track to a station. Yeah, uh, well... It depends on the story you read, because in December that happened in Toronto, yeah. uh, where the TTC system went down. They had to walk the people out through the tunnel. In our case, um, it happened outside the station, and they walked people back. But it wasn't like they didn't open the doors of the train and tell people, okay, you know, walk to whatever station you want, just watch out for trains coming by. Yeah. OC Transport people actually went out there, like our security folks and everything, and and the um, I think it was the yellow vests that were on that one. Um and they walk the people in, control room, make sure there's no train coming by while they're walking there. Right. You know, So all kinds of safety measures kick in. What was interesting about that was we actually practiced that uh, when we were doing the testing. And I was down, we did it one in the tunnel where they stopped the train between stations. 
Ottawa Fire and Ottawa Paramedics were all part of the test, and they come in. We had people in wheelchairs on that train, and so they got to uh, experience every piece of what could happen, uh, you know, in a real-life scenario. In this particular case on uh, New Year's when the train went down, I don't think there was any wheelchairs on that train, at least not that I've heard, Um, but they're ready for that if it happens. They know what, uh, what we need to do, and we know how to get everybody out of there safely. Switching gears, story. Um, so the Donald and Saint Laurent intersection. Teresa, let's start with you on this one. Now, what are flex stakes, and what's the problem with this intersection? Well, flex stakes uh, keeps those cars out of the bike lane. Okay. Um, we've got them so, along Laurier. So Donald and Saint Laurent. There's bike yeah. lanes where the two streets meet. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been down there uh, recently with you know with, since the change, but uh, my son actually works around the corner from there. But uh, it's uh, it's it's new. So people haven't got it in their mentality that this is a bike lane now, and uh, they don't treat it that way. I've actually seen a similar situation on uh, Prince of Wales, and um, I've experienced it both as a driver and a cyclist, mm-hmm. where it's not, it's a bit ambival- ambivalent, and uh, people uh, get confused. And um, when the stakes are there, it's very clear. Right. They're obviously there in the summer, but um, they can't have them now because of snow plows. It's obvious that uh, you can't keep them up. So um, it's a whole new mentality. People aren't used to winter cyclists, and they exist. They very much exist. I right. was just out this morning uh, talking to cyclists. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> many, many, and it's, it's going to grow. Be on the bus, it, it will be. It will be growing because uh, of the popularity of uh, e-bikes and uh, and fat tire bikes. And I have studded tires on. My bikes. I actually have winter tires, right. so it is possible. So, so there's a lot more, and uh, we've got to make sure that uh, people are clear on on where things go. And this is this big concern. Is this typical of all the like all over Ottawa? We see uh, a lane appears that's a bike lane, and there's a bunch of things. I didn't know what they were called. Yeah, but sort yeah. of separate. This is just the way that it's going to be from now on? Well, it, it really helped. I mean, we had someone killed over here, um, right at Laurier. And um, the car just went zoom right into the other lane without because there was what you call a floating lane right. uh, for the bikes. Um, very vulnerable. If you've been in those as a cyclist, think, you feel very sorry vulnerable. Sorry to, to interrupt, but I think we have to make a disclaimer in there that that's still before the courts, right? So yes. we don't know exactly what happened. Yes. Well, uh, anyway, floating lanes are, are scary because mm-hmm. uh, it means that if someone decided the last minute to turn right, they're going right across your lane and they're not looking at you. And and that's a, that's a concern. And uh, I've certainly felt un, uncertain when I go through those intersections. Uh, but um, that, that's an ongoing problem. Being an East Ender, I'm often uh, in this area. Um, so they redesigned that intersection to allow for a slip lane for bikes to essentially allow them to, to turn uh, unencumbered by, uh, by, by lights or, or stoplights, right? And so... Uh, that kind of change is very difficult when there's not these kind of physical reminders. Because it was still warm, they were able to install these flex stakes, which are like, you know, two and a half inch uh, wide and about, you know, uh, maybe three, two, feet. three feet tall. Okay. That kind of stick in people. People around the, stick into the pavement. People around the city will 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 notice them from, them from yeah. bike lanes yes. or. You know, these we sort of delineators. Yeah, they're wonderful yeah. for traffic calming. You put them in the middle of the street, it narrows the lanes. People don't feel like they can go, you know, 60 and a 30, basically, right? right? They're, they're really wonderful. 
But the issue is, as Teresa pointed out, uh, in the in the wintertime, they have to be removed uh, to allow for proper snow clearing. Um, so that's what's happened. People's behavior, as as, as is often, uh, is, is sticky. So when they first installed them without the flex takes, people were pulling into the bike lane. So we install them. People are now understanding that this is a protected bike lane. And then as soon as the winter rolls around, we have to pull them back out again. And so behavior returns to, to you know, the status quo or as it was before. Right. So I think that we need to find innovative ways to, to delineate these cycling lanes in the wintertime. I don't think we're quite there yet, but, you know, uh, cycling safety is, is going to be something that, uh, that continues to come up at council and, and at transportation. My, my personal preference is to not put the, the bicycle on the road like that. I like what they call a cycle track, which is a, a raised track beside the road mm-hmm. that the bikes can be on, uh, yet separated from the sidewalk because there's too, many, um, uh, too much risk uh, if you mix the cycles in with the pedestrian. But I, I, I like to have that added level of safety for the cyclists uh, where possible. Like for out here, for example, with uh, Councillor Kavanaugh's time about the floating lane, the easy way to avoid that would be come across the bridge, across at the, the crosswalk, and we'll have to better protect that crosswalk. But the, that's a super wide sidewalk on the other side of the road. There's no reason why we couldn't take enough space there to make a safe cycling area there off the road. And then no one has to be looking over their shoulder to see if a car is coming at them. Right. So oh. I, I, I'm for more safety. And, and uh, it would be, what was the term you used earlier about this uh, or no, the Saint Laurent one. Yeah. Over engineered. Over engineered. Thank you. Yeah, some of these things are a little over engineered, and, uh, and my thoughts are that we could we could do a better job by uh, um, protecting the cyclists a little better. Oh, believe me, the cyclists would love to have those um, complete streets uh, everywhere. Yeah, yeah like multi-use uh, we, we, pathways. We, we, we want well, multi-use pathways is not complete streets. Sorry, um, it's it's uh, it's a separate area for for cyclists because cyclists and pedestrians together aren't always friendly and warm either um it'd be better if they were in their own lane yeah, but that's like expensive because it takes a little more width and um i'm pushing for them as much as possible but it's usually a money issue uh because it, so it for the more. record mm-hmm. councillor kavanaugh and i are agreeing on this oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good to the, the pedestrians we're gonna go on cycling together yeah. later yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> pedestrians on, on a sidewalk then a delineator like like plants or trees then a, a proper yeah. bike path and right. then your curb yes. and then parking and then yes. your and, and then uh, and the way funding cars. works is you get a you get a chunk of road that's done as a complete street and then it ends because uh, there wasn't enough money to do the next section because uh, it didn't come up and that's what gets confusing and hard if yeah. the listeners have more yeah. to say about this subject they should be engaging in our transportation master plan refresh yeah. which is ongoing right now right. Yeah. we're taking public comments until the end of the month so please uh, go online and check out the, the new mm-hmm. TMP good commercial <laughs> <laughs> Brought uh, to you by. <laughs> and Matt, you mentioned snow clearing there. So just just briefly at the end, we've had a couple of good uh, good snow, good amounts of snow. It hasn't been cold, but we're getting snow. How's the city doing with its snow clearing? Well, they, they, we certainly spent quite a bit of time uh, in Transportation Committee discussing uh, this issue uh, after the dreadful winter that we had last year with the terrible freeze-thaw cycles. Mm-hmm. Uh, 89 freeze-thaw cycles. 89 freeze-thaw. That's, cr- that's crazy. You guys tracked this, eh? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. It affects the budget. So, um, 
potholes. Lila Gibbons and, and her team uh, went to work at looking at ways to improve the way that we do our snow clearing, whether it's looking at how the how the beats work. So that's the routes that uh, that our, uh, our women and men uh, that uh, that clear our streets take, mm-hmm. uh, and looking also at sidewalk safety. We've we heard uh, quite a bit from people they were not pleased with the way the sidewalks were were cleared. Um, so we've gone to a twenty four seven model when it comes to sidewalks. Uh, I've received uh, far fewer complaints uh, this year. We were just joking with my staff before we came over here that last year, after coming back from Christmas break, we had something like 500 or 600 emails about snow clearing. Right. Uh, this year, despite the fact that we've had quite a bit of snow over the course of the holidays, uh, maybe 15. Uh, that's a marked difference in the amount of complaints that we're hearing. I think that their team did a really great job, and, and now we're, we're starting to see uh, the fruits of their labor over the summer. Uh, I think that our snow clearing teams are the hardworking, one of the hardest working crews uh, that we have at the city, and they're doing a real great job this year. I really appreciate the difference, um, and I appreciate the fact that sidewalks are taken more seriously. It's not an afterthought anymore. That's, That's right. what they're trying to work on. And that is a big challenge, especially with the freeze thaw, because you get a nice warm day and the water melts, it's on the sidewalk, and then overnight it freezes. And then first thing in the morning when, when everyone's off to work, that's when it's the worst. So um, that's great that they have those new ice machines to break those uh, that ice on the sidewalks particularly because that's the biggest problem I hear about um, is people – if we want people to use transit – I know Alan will agree with me on this again um, – then we need to have good, good Either clearance Either she's leaning sides. right or I'm leaning left. <laughs> oh, we're going to meet in the middle and Alan. I like, this, I like this New Year's love really. It's There's a a lot of common sense to making it easier to get to bus stops and transit stations. So we have to concentrate on it because that's for the good of the city. And uh, we're we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, the complaints are dropping. They're not gone, but they're they're dropping. So that's very helpful. Uh, frankly, I don't think we've had a big challenge yet. Um, it's been a little soft uh, so far in terms of the amount of snow. On uh, a day like today, we'll probably like to hear a bit who's more. Who's complaining now? You said complaints are dropping. What are oh, they complaining about? Oh, we haven't he, had. People who didn't get their street plowed yeah. right away—you'll uh, um, always hear that. Um, I mean, there's there is a, a, a protocol in place, and um, people just feel that it's it, they don't know about the protocol. They try yeah, and the tell standards. them, yeah, yeah. in terms of how, the same how many hours it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah but uh, uh, so many centimeters. Uh, yeah. uh, I think seven yeah. centimeters. They'll come out for residential streets, and yeah. uh, and the standard on residential streets yeah. is snow packed. We're also clear. looking at these standards as part of yeah. the transportation. Master plan refresh. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Time for another commercial. <laughs> so what we do really appreciate is when is when people clear the catch basins on their streets in yes. front of their house. Yes. Uh, fire hydrants. Fire hydrants as well. So it should be 1.5 meters around each fire hydrant to make sure that our fire department can get at it. And chipping out those catch basins to make sure when we do have these big thaws that that water makes its way off the road makes, makes a, a huge difference. difference. Well, that's why there's a little paint in the street, isn't there? That's right, to let you know where they are. Yeah. The little T intersections. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. T, T, yeah. what do you call it? T-somethings. Um, T indicators. Something I want to touch on, if I could, before we're done. Yep. Uh, last word, I guess, to you. Well, thank you. Uh, uh, Councillor Kavanaugh mentioned about the improved sidewalk uh, standards that uh, we're trying to get more plows out and get them out faster, which I fully agree with her. Uh, kids going to school in the morning need to have a safe sidewalk. Where I'm waiting to see is when we start getting more storms is the number of complaints about the plows operating overnight. Mm-hmm. Because now they're going to be right next to your house going by, and they're, they're not the quietest thing for <laughs> obvious reasons. And so I'm just waiting to see what that balance is going to be in there. You know, are we going to start getting a lot of people saying, stop those plows coming by at night? Well, 
then we're back to where we were. Hmm. I find the, the major, the, really the major difference now is that the backup alarms have been changed to a broadband yes, backup alarm. Yes, I was yes. thinking yeah. about that. So yeah, instead that of helps. having that beep, beep, yeah. beep, like I'm That's quite close point. to a to a yeah. snow depot, yeah. and so it was terrible trying to sleep at night to having this like the beep, beep, beep at the back. So of now you know why they changed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Matt can sleep. It's all of, yeah, it's all Matt's fault. <laughs> all right, very good. We'll leave it there. That is Council in 20. Matt Luloff from Orleans, Ellen Hewley from Canada South, and Teresa Kavanaugh from Bayward. I'm David Schellenberg. Tune in next Monday for more Council in 20.